the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show, and good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm Catherine Zox on voiceamerica.com with my co-host, who's hanging in there, Lauren Deller. I'm not sure if you can hear her. You want to say hello, Lauren? She has laryngitis. Good morning, everybody. Hello, Catherine. <laughs> this is a person who's really dedicated to doing what she has to do in this show. So I said, okay, Lauren, it's okay you can't talk. I'll do all the talking, but don't leave me. Stay there with us. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, you're here. And, you know, i got a great guest on this morning. Fortunately, she's on at 10, so we don't have to do too much talking. And uh, I just want to say one thing, though. If you, um, We have a new website here at Voice America. And if you go to voiceamerica.com or you do Catherine Zox, there's a whole new website for Catherine Zox, the Catherine Zox Show, a new way of navigating. And it's really exciting, and there's lots you can do, and you can connect to me through Facebook, all kinds of stuff. So I do want to mention that. But anyway... Our guest is waiting, Susan Magsiman, uh, Frugal Family Fun from Coast to Coast. This is National Geographic's 10 Best of Everything. So scaling back on big vacation plans doesn't have to mean hibernating at home with boring board games. Thank God. Susan Magsiman, author of the 10 Best of Everything, Families, can help our listeners balance fun and frugality, and her new guide, and this is a brand new guide, is packed with 10 best lists. I love those 10 best lists. Insider tips and hundreds of fantastic recession-proof recreation and destination ideas for frugal families from coast to coast. And I get just because it's frugal doesn't mean it can't be fun, and I think that's really the key here. Uh, well, let's welcome Susan to the show. She's author of this book. She's an award-winning educator, a leading expert in creative play and hands-on experiential learning. She's president and CEO of Family Stories, a national family-based multimedia resource for families, and chair of Wonder Time Magazine's Editorial Advisory Committee. Welcome to the show, Susan. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. My co-host isn't so fine. She can't talk. I heard. But I, I heard. That's <laughs> awful. But you can, and so tell us, because, you know, it is true. I, I mean, I was just talking to a friend of mine who said, well, I don't think I have enough money. I can't go anywhere. It's depressing enough with the economy. But you're saying that's not true. You can do fun stuff in these frugal times. There's so much to do. Um, recently, uh, someone said to me this weekend, was there's a real big difference between frugal and cheap, and I think that's right. Um, you know, there's some great buys um, in terms of travel if you're really thinking about going someplace. But barring that, there's some wonderful things to do that really don't cost anything from um, parades and festivals to parks and playgrounds and, you know, all kinds of, um, of areas for hiking and biking and, um, and even service opportunities that are really a great way to bring your family together to do something for someone else. So it's really, really re-envisioning and looking at how we spend time together in, in different ways and maybe changing our lens a little bit about what it means to be on, um, ha- have a family adventure and what it means to really travel together. Um, and there's lots of ways to do it right outside of your back, back door to traveling across the country. Let's say traveling across the country because I know your guide includes a lot of things, 10 best factory tours, that's interesting, ice cream spots, the 10 best famous road trips. Let, what were those? Because uh, that's what I'm interested in. What you know, taking a road trip. Where can you go where you can take the family? It's fun. 
as you say, it's frugal, but it's not cheap. You have a good time. There's lots to do, but you don't have to spend a lot of money. Well, road trips are great, and, the, and, and within communities, within the regional areas, there's lots of great sort of day trips that, that we, you know, you probably can think about yourself. Um, we're, we're in the, also, I'm in Baltimore, so, you know, going out to Harper's Ferry can be a really nice road trip. Um, you know, there's some fantastic national road trips. Um, we include a couple in the book, um, Covered Bridges in Vermont. There's an amazing trip that you can do that, that from in Bennington that looks at all of these really great covered bridges. There's a lighthouse tour in Maine. Skyline Drive is a really beautiful place to go. There's a wonderful trip from Albuquerque to Taos, New Mexico, that really lets you understand a bit more about Native Americans and the Southwest. Um, the Pacific Coastal Highway is a multiple-day um, experience to really get a sense of what, what the West Coast is and how the geography changes from San Diego to San Francisco. Um, and then there's a really wonderful, it's called Going to the Sun Road in Montana that gives you a really great view of Logan's Pass at the Continental Divide, which is really quite wonderful. So there's, you know, these sort of bigger road trips um, really have um, sort of uh, legacy and legend behind them with lots of great places to stop along the way. And, um, you know, you might be thinking, well, my child's going to be in the car for a long time. You know, what are we going to do? And... In the book, we provide lots and lots of ways to um, spend time together and even how to think about pacing a car trip. So, you know, one of the best tips is not to try to go for too many hours, but to take frequent breaks. Um, books on tape is another really wonderful way for your family to be able to have an experience. We, a lot of families told us that they listened to Harry Potter as they did long road trips, or, or Amber Spyglass was another um, big series that... So you're saying organize the trip. Don't just go haphazardly. Of course, this is what your book helps us to do, the 10 best of everything. Plan ahead. Yeah, and you also organize, and I, you know, from what you're saying, it's, maybe it's obvious, but you organize the guide regionally and thematically. So it depends on what you want to do, what you like to do, whether you like seeing whatever your interest or your family interest is, but also what region of the country you're in. So you've got a, options for both, right? That's how the, the guide is is. Right. If you want to find the best roller coasters, you can find them. If you want to find the best hiking trails or if you want to find the best art camps, you can find them. If you want to go on an author's tour or a factory tour, you can find them. If you want to find the best regional foods in the country, you can find them by, by region. And so there's really, you can access this book through your interests or through your geography um, or, or there's a lot of information, um, prompted uh, worksheets on putting together your own trip. Um, we also provide about 50 different itineraries from folks around the country. So there's a lovely um, Boston Freedom Trail uh, 10 best from two brothers, that young brothers, 14 and 16, that really wanted to share Boston with you. Um, there's a grandmom from Sanibel Island who shares an amazing grandmom's um, day with her kids at Sanibel, on Sanibel. So, um, you know, really personal stories as well on places to go and things to do. So what you're saying, Susan, is, I mean, you really, uh, there's no excuse for not taking a trip or not knowing where to go or not knowing how to organize it if you buy this guy because you um, you talk about, and you kind of touch on this, but this is always inter- especially interesting when you have different age groups and families, you know, maybe, and uh, so you're trying to please everybody when you're going on a trip. What is the best way, which you cover, what is the best way for families to make the most of their time together? I mean, you, because... Absolutely, and even how to capture those moments. So there's a chapter on keeping and making keeping memories, so scrapbooks, photo albums, videotaping, 
audio taping. You know, it's amazing when your family is off on, on, a, on, a, on even a day excursion when you're out of the norm, out of the sort of mundane routine, um, how, how you have an opportunity to really get to know each other in a different way and learn something about one another. So all of that's part of the book, too. I mean, it really says, you know, making something extraordinary out of the ordinary. You, you, you also you mentioned a couple things like uh, books on tape, that kind of thing. You know, what are, what are some of the other helpful car trip tip, tips? That's that's a difficult one to say. Some of that's a difficult you, one. <laughs> car well, definitely trip tips. Car trip tips. Um, making um, as I said earlier, stopping um, and stopping is a really important thing. Making sure that you stretch your legs. Um, looking at the right drive times, um, eating smart, not overeating. I mean, these are sort of very practical, practical things. Staying organized. So one of the things that um, several parents recommended were sort of back of the front seat um, organizers for kids so that they have their, their snacks and they have their water, they have their books and magazines and journals. And you know, it's a really nice opportunity for kids to be able to um, do some things on their own, but also to then to relate to others within, within, the, within the car. Um, you know, favorite blankets, favorite pillows, you know, really planning for comfort. Um, books on tape of highest um, rating of anything, but, but different kinds of music, offering kids an opportunity to share their music with you is also a really great thing. So everybody sort of goes around and shares their different kinds of music, but making it an event. Susan, what about the kids and and actually being part of the planning process. Let's say, no, I mean, it, uh, you know, babies can't be or infants, but kids can be. Um, should they be a part of the whole planning of the trip be- before you actually get in the car and start start on your journey? Absolutely, and planning early is better. Um, I'll give you a great example. Um, our family is talking about um, going to see the Northern Lights, and we've been talking about it sort of in the abstract for about a year. And everybody kind of goes off, and we sort of agreed that that was sort of going to be our next trip. But, um, but it's a very elusive thing, and so we've got four kids, and everybody is looking at um, how the, where we might go, what we might do, what if we don't see them. And so we come, you know, we talk about it at dinner, we talk about it, you know, whenever someone has a new piece of information, and, and as a result, everybody's buying into it. And so we have older kids, which, which in some ways is even more difficult because they have their own lives. So, you know, the idea of having... And they have their own opinions. <laughs> and they have their own opinion. You know, when you can sort of begin to craft and collaborate on this kind of experience, it's great because it really is a very dynamic process. So, so you know, we're in the throes of that and you know, we're hoping to do something in the fall. So, so we set a date. We're sort of saying, okay, it's going to be the fall. And, and now we're starting to back into, well, what does that mean and how do we... Where would we stay and where would we go? And, you know, this is a pretty complex trip because the Northern Lights are this elusive thing where you don't really know that you're going to see them. So Where are they? I have to ask you. So where are the Northern Lights? Where are you going? So, well, we don't know yet. The choice, you have to go as far north as you can. So the closer to um, the Arctic Circle, the better. Are you um, driving so, up to the Arctic Circle? Well, we're, we're talking about Iceland and Canada and Alaska and then Norway is sort of the outsider. Um, because evidently you can see the Northern Lights in, in, in Norway. But, but what's, what's interesting is these kids are learning about the Northern Lights. They're learning about geography. They're learning about, you know, sort of what, 
what could happen besides seeing the Northern Lights, what's happening in these different regions, what kind of festivals there are around that. And it's all a very natural process. You know, I, I think education has gotten a really bad rap because we, everything we do is about learning. Everything we do is about education. So by default, these kids really understand something that you know, I'm, I'm almost 50 and I truly did not understand what the Northern Lights were until we started researching this. Well, I think what you're talking about, Susan, and I think, you know, education has gotten a bad rap. One of the reasons is we forget about process, and that's what you've been talking about for the past, you know, 15 minutes is process. I mean, this whole process. Wonder. Wonder. Wonder, yeah. Wonder. It's amazing. You know, you know, things are so interesting, and the more you know about them, the more interesting they are. And, you know, and not dumbing it down or putting kids at a desk and saying, you know, read this. And so, and that's what travel does, too. It's, you know... Experiential learning is a big word, but really it's about your senses, about smelling it and tasting it and touching it and feeling it. And so that's what travel is, and and and, and that's what being in the world is. So you know, to be able to smell grass and to be able. Do you to think we've only got a minute left? But one last question: Are you telling your kids? Do you think they should they bring their computers with them on the trip, or should you not bring them? Or how do you handle that? I mean, so that you are enjoying. As you say, you're the wonderment. You are part of the part of the the scenery and part of the, you. You know, you can take in everything, and you don't want to get hung up on a computer. Or do you? Do you bring it? Well, you know, I feel like family travel is as much about respect than anything. And so, I think you know, for me, kids can bring anything they want. They can bring their computers. They can bring their iPods. They can bring their phones. But it's about moderation. And so. When do you engage with each other? And when do you need time on your own? And I think the less you limit that and you sort of have an expectation of community, it works out. But I think it's really important that, you know, you, you set that up. And so, you know, our kids are very respectful of the time that we have together. So they're going to they're gonna space out and use the computer or use their, their iPhones, but they, they want to be with it want to be with their parents. They really want to be with their parents. They just often don't know how in such a busy, busy world. So the family travel allows for the to- that time to sort of reestablish relationships. Sure. We, have to, we, we have to, I mean, if we have to uh, take a break right now. Um, you're welcome to come back. Or I don't know if you're going on to the next show or not, but Susan Magsman, the author of National Geographic's The Ten Best of Everything, Families, An Ultimate Guide for Travelers. Fantastic. What a book. Anyway, you're listening to The Catherine Zock Show with Lauren Beller on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty's has just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is life. Life is dance. Broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Can't stop now. 
Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. What are you going to do when that big emergency strikes? Do you know how to prepare? Do you know when? What if we provided you a source to learn from and plan as you go? Listen for The Road to Ready with your host, Rick Tobin. Rick will offer a weekly source of reliable information and resources. You'll hear about new ideas and innovation in emergency management. Best of all, you'll have the tools to get ready for any emergency in small bites each week. The Road to Ready is heard every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I am Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone this morning on voiceamerica.com and uh, with my my co-host, who is here, she just ran to her closet to get something for her throat, <laughs> laryngitis. If any of you, she said to me during the break, Lauren, you know, what do you do for laryngitis? So, Lauren, you said I'm speaking for you. We can jump in when you want, but I don't want you to ruin your voice. Lemon and tea. And if anybody has any suggestions for her, I have another suggestion, but you can call in at 866-472-5787. That's 866-472-5787. Another thing, and I had totally forgotten, Lauren, when you asked me during the, you know, this morning, but if you get a scarf, which I just told her to do, uh, you're ransacking your closet. I am, yes. And and it, of course it's Texas. I don't. I can't imagine you even have a scarf. I but. have to dig for it. Yeah. <laughs> From your upstate New York uh, clothing pile, right? Exactly. But you take the scarf, wrap it around your neck, and wear it until the until it, it does. So, it war- keeps your vocal cords warm. I guess it's like keeping a he- heating pad on your vocal cords, and it works. I you'll you'll see after an hour or two, you you'll be able to. Um, your laryngitis will start clearing up. Thank you. I'll do it. Yeah. So what color is your scarf? I didn't get it in time. I have to go back. Oh, you have to go back. Well, you, during other, yeah, during our next break, you can go back. Because, next break, I'll go, yes. Uh, yeah, it really does work. I've used that. Sometimes, you know, I do voiceovers, and I, I mean, I'm using my voice all the time, so it, I do get laryngitis. Less so now for some reason, but last year I used to get it a lot. Anyway, and uh, it always worked for me. I have to talk all day today, so... Oh, you do? Well, then then do this. This also, uh, you can if you get really desperate. Once I was really desperate, and I went to the doctor, and I said, I have to be able to speak. I don't know if I was doing a commercial or what, but you can go to the physician, and he can give you a shot, I think, like a, like a steroid kind of thing, or cortisone or something, something ghastly, like if you don't get your voice back. But that's not what you want to do. I'm not that desperate. No, you're not that desperate. <laughs> But uh, that's another, you can always, you know, turn to uh, 
I guess, injections and medication, but don't do that. So anyway, what uh, what do you think? Well, I can't ask you. Oh, what God, do you think? Let me, let me hear. <laughs> what do you think? I, I started to watch. I was watching the Today Show this morning, and they had that the woman. This is really bizarre. This woman has been all over the net. Who had that monkey for twelve or fifteen years that attacked her best friend? Oh yes, that was awful. Just awful. And now the family is suing. The owner of the monkey, I think, for $50 million. $50 million. I heard that this morning. $50 million. That's a lot of money. So what do you think about that? I mean, if, I can't imagine that no one ha- hasn't heard the story. But anyway, this woman had this monkey. She treated it like a, like a child, I guess, raised it like a child. But it's still a or wild animal. And her friend came over and attacked her friend, ripped her face off, ripped her nose off. Just The woman is in critical condition. I guess they're contemplating doing... Uh, plastic surgery on her face, like a, a complete face replacement, but um, and she's kind of kept in a semi-conscious condition. It keeps you so that your brain doesn't swell in that kind of a condition. But the family now is saying that this woman is responsible, and of course the medical bills and the rest of her life, if, if she pulls through, which we hope she does, uh, is going to cost millions of dollars. So they're suing this woman, and the woman still said they interviewed her. She's still kept the monkey. I don't know if she still has it now, but after the monkey had attacked her friend and said she wouldn't have done anything differently. What I heard that. Think about that. I heard that. I didn't know. She, I thought the monkey was dead. Oh, they killed it? I thought so. But, okay, the monkey is it dead is. now, but the woman said she wouldn't have done anything differently. And, uh, I mean, I guess there are two questions. Do you think she needs to have to, well, she, does, she doesn't look like she's a wealthy woman. I don't, she's not going to be able to pay $50 million, but they can continue, I guess, to take money from her wages or wherever her living expenses come from. What do you think? That's a crazy situation, boy. Well, first of all, um, it wasn't even, something was a little bit weird because they, the monkey, she didn't even treat like her kid. It was more like her spouse. So it was very strange. Oh. Like, it was very, I mean, it slept in the same bed with her, and it was, they, she took showers with it. It was a strange thing. She took showers with her monkey? And she slept in the bed with her monkey. Yeah, it was a strange thing. So the monkey was like her boyfriend? Yeah, the monkey was a, a, was a strange... Yeah, <laughs> her boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, my God. Do, that is sicker than I, I mean, thought. If she's responsible, I do think it's a pet. You have to be responsible for your pets and your pet's actions. Well, it almost sounds like sodomy to me. <laughs> I it didn't is say strange, that, but it's a strange thing. It's a very strange situation. People do the, I mean, the weirdest things. I always think people sometimes are too attached to their dogs that they begin <laughs> to make they're part of the family. Well, but they're still animals. I don't want to get into that because I'll get a lot of yeah. Let's not go there. Bad, but let's not go there. You know, we won't go there. I don't even want. Let's. Uh, but I do think she's responsible. <clears throat> yeah, I do too. What a heart! Can you imagine being mauled by a monkey? No, I can't. And that poor woman that's in the hospital—is she even—is she even, is she even um, coherent? No, I, she, they keep she's unconscious. They keep you unconscious purposefully when they you keep get the brain. Yeah, yeah. Then your brain doesn't swell. I guess it gives your the, the brain time to heal, and so then so that it doesn't swell, and then you or then you can. I guess, suffer from major brain damage. It's a real problem. Ugh, awful situation. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. The family is getting more and more bills every day. It's horrible. Taking responsibility. One needs to take responsibility for what they do, which I want to recommend this book because I had uh, spoken to this author on Monday talking about responsibility. Uh, the High-Functioning Alcoholic, 
know, alcoholism is a major problem in this country today. And the, do you, I don't know if you know what a high-functioning alcoholic is. Do I you? do. Of course I do. Those that work and go to work and they, they do their life, they have families, but they still drink and not emotionally there. You are absolutely right. Even with your laryngitis, you got the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to give you the stats on this because, as you know, I'm the social worker with the microphone, and I think this is like a, a really important piece. And this woman who has written the book, who is a uh, an alcoholism counselor, and she's worked at McLean Hospital in Boston and Mass General, and she she has a lot of credentials, and she is also a recovering alcoholic. So the book is called Understanding the High-Functioning Alcoholic, Professional Views and Personal Insights. So it has her personal story as well as research and uh, other people's stories as well. But according to the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, this is a 2007 study, 20% of all alcoholics are high-functioning. That's a very high figure. And it's estimated that there are 18 million Americans who have an alcohol use disorder. Disorder. Eight, wow. That's a lot of people. That is a lot. Yeah, that's why I'm mentioning this. And uh, as, as those eight, of those 18 million Americans, there are about 4 million Americans who are high functioning alcoholics. Because we have this, I mean, I don't, you, I mean, you're a, a coach and, and I'm a social worker, so we have some sense of this, but a lot of people think that the alcoholic is just that drunk in the street, the stumbling, slur, slurring bum. Not true. Definitely not true. No, it can be the Ivy League educated dentist with the big house, family in the suburbs, the thriving practice, law students, uh, honor students, people who only, this is the other thing, people who only drink on weekends. And if any of you are listening and you see yourself or anybody else in your family, uh, you know, as I'm uh, giving this description, you really need to seek help and and get information because it's a really dangerous situation. She talks about in the book, Lauren, about... uh, a high-functioning surgeon. I mean, oh uh, I used to know one, actually, uh, a, a surgeon who was practicing and operating on people. He was a high-functioning alcoholic, and uh, he would actually do surgery, and he would do surgery under the influence. Oh, my God. That's scary stuff. So you think of all those things. Or people who operate machinery, or people who out, not just your average person driving a car, so it's really important to recognize the symptoms and to do something about it. So uh, anyway, the author, I never gave you her name, is Sarah Allen Denton, and she is, as I said, she herself is a recovering alcoholic and a blogger for psychologytoday.com, so you can go to psychologytoday.com, and she, you know, blogs and gives you the information, etc. I'm surprised the numbers... I would think that we have more high-functioning alcoholics than 20%. And I think we're going to have more, and, you know, when times are bad and things are stressful, all, all of these addictions get exacerbated and, yeah. you know, times are stressful. I said, you know, I was talking about how do you, like as a parent, now you haven't reached that point yet, but as a parent, for instance, like when you have a kid who's in high school, and kids drink in high school. I did, didn't you? I, I mean, I did, Yeah. <laughs> All I have to say is, yeah, you don't even have to elaborate. All right, so both of us did. Um, and when do you know or when? How, it, how can a parent discern whether or not the kid really is developing a drinking problem or he's just exper- he or she is just experimenting? Because this, the author of this book, Sarah Allen Benton, said that she began drinking in high school and even and suffering from blackouts. And blackouts are not passing out. Blackouts are when you drink a whole lot and then you... 
go about, you may drive a car, you may be at a party, you may, may have sex, you may do all kinds of things, but you can't remember what you did. So you can engage in very dangerous behavior without even being aware that you're doing it or risk-taking behavior. And not remember a thing. And can't remember a thing. That's a blackout. That's what a blackout is. It's not passing out, although she said she passed out too. So I said, well, so give us some clues. You know, uh, when I was talking to her, uh, interviewed her on Monday, I said, give us some clues as to what people can do, what parents can do, for instance. How can we, how can we, you know, be aware, or we have to be aware, but how can we discern whether or not our kids have a drinking problem? She said, one of the things, and I didn't know this, I had worked a, a lot with alcoholics uh, in the beginning of my practice when I was doing one-on-one uh, therapy with clients as, as a social worker, uh, but one of the things that... Was that you? It was me. I'm sorry. I heard a boing. Oh, no, that wasn't me. Oh. <laughs> uh, I didn't hear it. I heard a boing. Oh, I, we have to... I guess that, that's it. I didn't get to finish my sentence. We have to <laughs> take a break. I'm Catherine Zox and Lauren Beller, voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Go inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. Listen every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. It's time for dramatic action in your business and in your life. Join us each week for a program that says it all. Power Talk. When talent and passion collide, success is inevitable. Showcases professionals who have succeeded in sales, business, entrepreneurship, and life. This show is about successful professionals for successful professionals. Listen for Power Talk. When talent and passion collide, success is inevitable. With host Andrea Siddig Rolf. Every Friday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern-day Renaissance man Ori Hoffmeckler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within, your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to the Catherine Zock Show, and by the way, it is 10 o'clock, oh, 10.30 on Eastern Time and 7 o'clock Western Time and Pacific Time, right? And go to our website, for, I'm Catherine Zock, your social worker with a microphone, if you don't recognize my voice, and you certainly won't recognize my <laughs> co-host voice, because she has laryngitis today, Lauren Deller-Blake. Are you getting better as the show goes on or worse, Lauren? Uh, that's about the same. No. All right, well, I just, two things, I want to mention the website again. Go to katherinezox.com or go to motivox.com or voiceamerica.com. You can get to it all different ways, but they have a, hu- a brand new website. Incredible. Easier ways to download the shows, take a look at all the, well, take a look at our show first, obviously, and um, ways to connect on Facebook, you know, from the show on Voice America. It's very cool. And it just, I think they just put it up on Monday. What's today? Wednesday. We were talking about understanding the functioning alcoholic because I'm a social worker and Lauren is a business coach. But uh, Lauren started out, as she was telling me during the break, also counseling alcoholics. Big problem, folks, and especially in stressful times. Uh, 18 million Americans have an alcohol use disorder, and both of us, Lauren and I, feel it's probably a lot more because it's underestimated. People don't admit to having a drinking problem. I mean, they don't, you know, it's it's something that they're there's still the shame and the stigma, and you could do something about it. And so I think it's probably, in terms of estimates, it's underestimated in terms of the enormous problem uh, in, the, in, in our country. But anyway, so there's a new book by Sarah Allen Benton, who's a licensed mental health counselor, and she's the blogger for psychologytoday.com, new book, High Functioning Alcoholic Professional Views and Personal Insights. And if any of you have a professional view or a personal insight and want to... Uh, Tell us about it. You can call us at 866-472-5787. That's 866-472-5787. Before I got rudely interrupted, we had to go to break. (laughs) I was right in the middle of talking about what do you do as a parent if you've got a kid in high school, kids drink, how do you know if they have a major problem, whether you should intervene or you just kind of let them experiment and then they don't feel so controlled and constrained that they even drink more. Um, it's always that delicate balance. One of the things, and I don't know if you knew this, Lauren, but I didn't realize this, and there are some stats on this. Sarah Allen Denton, the author that we're talking about, she said that kids who start drinking before the age of 14 have a much higher percentage, and I forgot what the percentage is, of going on to becoming uh, alcoholics either problem drinkers, high-functioning alcoholics, or not high-functioning alcoholics. But if the problem starts, and that would be middle school, yes. um, if it starts then, you really, it, it is, the, you're really probably treading in dangerous waters is what she's saying. If it starts when you're 17 or 18, senior in high school, it's very different. And those kids, it may be, they're just experimenting with with uh, with the alcohol. They also have a much higher level of maturity. There's a huge big difference between 14 and 17, and you'll find that out with your daughter. Huge difference. I mean, in terms of judgment, in terms of maturity, not just with drinking, but with everything else. I mean, that's one reason why kids can't start driving cars till they're 16 or 17. So, um, just like there's a big difference between uh, three and four. <laughs> and there is, developmentally. Is yeah. I mean, three-year-old, I mean, you have a three-year-old, four-year-old, 
four-year-olds have a, their judgment is, we're talking about judgments of four-year-olds, but so much better than a three-year-old. Absolutely. I see it with our classmates. It's amazing. Yeah. But I yeah. teenagers, too, 14 to 17. Plus, I think at 14, you get more easily addicted. I think that 14-year-old kids that are using are, they get addicted more easily. They're That's also right. more, peer pressure is much more important. I mean, at 14, kids really, you know, get are highly influenced by their peers. And they can be dared to do many things. Even kids who at 16 or 17 would not do that. Uh, it's just they have a whole array of maturational things that they've done that just really makes a difference, just like the difference between a three- and a four-year-old or between a four- and a five-year-old. That's why school starts when you're five, because at five years old, your maturity level, you are ready for school, and you're ready to sit down, you're ready to listen. You have you're, you're, It's a very different emotional, physical, and intellectual psyche at five than at three. Yeah, I agree with that. Interesting, yeah. but I didn't know that... Um, I, I mean, it does make sense that if they start using earlier, they're going to be addicted for probably the bulk of their life. Yeah, it's a horrendous addiction, and it ruins not just the person, but it also ruins families. And it's uh, so anyway. This is a, definitely a worthwhile book to get. High functioning alcoholic professional views and personal insights. Author Sarah Allen Benton. Now here. We are going to interview her. I don't know if it's going to be today or not, but Tiffany Schlain. Do you know who Tiffany Schlain is? You're going to tell me. I am going to tell you. Tiffany, well, you know that this is the 50th anniversary of Barbie. I did see that. Of the Barbie doll. Yes, I did see that. And Ruth Handler is the woman who invented the Barbie doll. She was a German Jew. She came as a refugee uh, from Poland uh, in the 40s, and she and her husband were the founders of the Mattel toy company. This is, I thought, on Oprah. Well, you're going to hear it on Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yes, and so Tiffany, well, anyway, so anyway, that's what Ruth Handler, she, she not only Barbie, but also Ken, and... Um, Tiffany Schlein is a an award winning actually. She's done incredible. If you go to her website, um, I'm trying to find out where I have her website here. But the Tribe is the name of the film, which was um, at the Sundance Film Festival, the Tribeca Film Festival featured selection. It's called The Tribe. You can go online and actually see the film. It's about an 18 minute film, or you can look at the trailer. Uh, she is the director, the producer, and co-writer and editor of this film. And Tiffany Schlain was honored as one of Newsweek's Women Shaping the 21st Century. She's quite a gal. Wow. Yeah, founder and ambassador of the Webby Awards and an award-winning filmmaker, like I said. Uh, she's uh, done several films, but this film is called The Tribe, an award-winning short film with an unorthodox view of American Jewish identity, which has to do with the Barbie doll and Ruth Handler. Interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a, well, I'm going to read the synopsis. It's on her, um, it's on the website. What can the most successful doll on the planet show us about being Jewish today? The film is narrated by Peter Coyote. He's got a great voice. Do you know who he is? He's also good looking. 
I don't. I mean, I'm sure I would know it. Yeah, if you saw him, you'd recognize him. The film mixes old-school narration with a new-school visual style. The tribe weaves together archival footage, graphics, animation, Barbie dioramas, and slam poetry to take audiences on an electric ride through the complex history of both the Barbie doll and the Jewish people. <laughs> From biblical times to present day, by tracing Barbie's history, the film sheds light on the questions, what does it mean to be an American Jew today? What does it mean to be a member of any tribe in the 21st century? And she does this all with Barbie. You'll have to figure out, but go online and look at it. It's a, it's a, it's a really very cool film. And Barbie, she, the other thing, she's going to be um, in New York. She's going to be at um, GE Proctor's Theater Thursday, March 23rd. From seven to nine thirty p.m., they're going to show the film, and they uh, the they're also going to have question and answer, discuss the film with Tiffany Schlain. So it's going to be an exciting program up in my area in Albany, New York, and uh, it's sponsored by the Women's Philanthropy uh, United Jewish Federation uh, of Northeastern New York. So it's very cool. Lots always going on. Yeah, is that clear? Yeah. It's uh, The Tribe is a smart, funny, 18-minute short directed by Webby Awards founder Tiffany Schlain, and that's from the New York Times. So, you know, it's the timing because it has to do with Ruth, it has to do with Barbie dolls. Did you know that Ruth Handler, also, you know, her Ken doll, did you know that Ken was, I guess, I don't know how this came about. Everyone said Ken was gay, uh, the doll. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, and that actually it turned out that her son was gay. And oh, and was named after her son. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, and Barbie was named after her daughter. So he took on the energy of her son. Yeah, so he did. He took on the energy of her son. But Ruth Handler, who you know made millions of dollars with the Barbie doll and Ken doll as well, uh, had to, I think she had to leave. Uh, something went on with Mattel. They had some real business problems, uh-huh. <laughs> like today. And um, yeah, I think I'm not sure, but she was. I mean, there was the, the potential for even going to jail, I think. I don't know what happened exactly. But um, the, what ha- but what she did, did I, this is really, you know, and Barbie, of course, with big boobs, that's how she made all this money on this bar. That's not how she made the money, but Barbie was like the sexy doll and little girls playing with sexy dolls in the 50s or 60s. or whatever. I mean, this was something that was unheard of, right? <clears throat> no one thought it would ever be successful. But... She went on to develop breast cancer. I didn't know that. Yeah, Ruth Handler, founder of the Barbie doll, inventor of the Barbie doll, developed breast cancer. And then she had her breast removed. And when she went to look for prostheses for her breasts, there were none at the time. And no one even talked about breast cancer because it was shameful and embarrassing and nobody wanted to discuss it. So she being the entrepreneur, and you're always, you're, this is your, uh, up your alley, entrepreneurs, you know what she did? She invented a prosthesis that was, that women could wear, that was, you know, she, that, uh, you know, that, that uh, for the first time, so they looked, they looked good and their breasts looked the same, and she, and, there, and then she made tons of money with this prosthesis. I she didn't know. Mo- what? That's a great story. Yeah, she made all her money on boobs. I <laughs> Both fake. They were both fake. That's true. They were both. They were all fake. Yeah, it's That's true. Funny, but it, see that kind of thinking doesn't that? I, it's I, always I, a solution. Yeah, it's a, 
We're taking a break. It's another break right now. You're listening to Catherine Zox, Lauren Beller on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away this morning. We'll be back in a minute. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Total career success. What does it mean to you? Voice America presents a radio program dedicated to help you achieve your career goal. Even in times of economic uncertainty, you can achieve your financial goals. Whether you're a college grad, new in the working environment, or a top-level executive, you will benefit from the practical and proven advice on job search and career advancement. Join Ken and Cheryl Dawson every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for Total Career Success on Voice America. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Want to have behind-the-scenes access to some of the greatest minds of today? On Shift in Action, we feature leading-edge innovators who are building a more conscious, sustainable, and healthy culture. Host Stephen Dynan offers live shows with evolutionary leaders such as Deepak Chopra, Van Jones, and others who are creating new paradigms for conscious living. You can keep your finger on the pulse of the latest frontier work with our weekly transmission of inspired wisdom on Shift in Action, broadcast live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to The Catherine Zox Show. VoiceAmerica.com, the Internet's number one talk station. Hey, we're on the Internet's number one talk station. That's very cool. Catherine Zox, Lauren Blake, Lauren Beller-Blake. Lauren has uh, laryngitis, if you're just joining us. And if you are, too bad, because you're a little bit late. We don't have that much time left, but Lauren is talking a little bit, and I'm kind of talking at her. Uh, so that's okay, right? I'm fine with it. Yeah, did you... I was listening to... I went to the city yesterday, Lauren. Yes. Get my hair cut and colored. Uh-huh. Two and a half hours. This is desperate. Listen to this. Two and a half hours down on the train. I get off at Penn Station. I forgot for some reason that it's St. Patrick's Day. Oh, jeez. It was bumper to bumper people. Well, the, and there's a huge. There was a parade all day long up and down Fifth Avenue. I thought uh. the marching band in New York State was on 
Fifth Avenue. I mean, it was a beautiful sight. Everybody was dressed in green. I didn't have green on. I had gray, but I do have green glasses. I have <laughs> big green frames, so I put those on so I looked a little bit like, you know, St. Patty's Day. I saw some guy in a kilt, but I don't think that's St. Patrick's Day. I wanted to see what was under that kilt. I'm always curious. Oh, you're so, there's nothing under it. There's no, so well, he had something. It. He was running up and down <laughs> Madison Avenue, and he was a cutie, too. But anyway... So, uh, but that's Scottish, isn't it, kilt? But they had bagpipes, too. Well, I, it's all part of the same um, part of the world. Oh, it is? I know it is. I've, I've been to Ireland and I've been to Scotland, but I didn't realize that Ireland had bagpipes. I guess it does. I Maybe think Danny do. Boy, the song Danny Boy, don't they pay the pipes are calling? Yeah, you're right. I think it's, I think, all that, oh, it's all the right part of the country. Yeah, it is. Cute. You're right. But anyway, yeah. so it was, it was packed. So I walked. I had about 35 blocks to walk, which was fine. Uh, but still, I had to navigate all these people, let alone, I forget about taking a cab. But it was, uh, so every, and they were out, in, you know, it's like 10 o'clock, uh, no, 12 o'clock. They are drinking and, play, oh, my God, it was wild. It really was wild. It was fun. It was very cool. But when I went to get my hair cut and colored, the person who cut my hair, she said, you know, they really should not, I don't know, they really shouldn't have parades on Tuesdays. They should have parades only on Sundays because it ruins business. And that's, I'm sure it does. Yeah. I mean, it, ruins, it really affects business in a negative way. I actually saw some girl running out of a store. She had a six-pack of beer. She was probably like 20. And the guy from the store is running after her. And he says to her, you didn't pay for this. Oh and I couldn't God. stop and listen. But, you know, she was like making excuses like she had paid for it. But then I saw him take the, the six-pack of beer and go back in the store. I mean, he didn't charge her with anything, probably because she was young and attractive. But she was like, she thought she was going to get away with that. Lousy. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So then I, after my cut and color, I come, I just uh, get back on the train and come back again. That's five hours of train ride. You're a crazy girl. I am crazy, but it looks good. I mean, it's uh, you know, I've got a great colorist and a great cutter, so it was worth it. On St. Patty's Day. When is it? You did that on St. Patty's Day. I did Day. that on St. Patty's Day. Yeah, I did that on St. Patrick's Day. You know, I, I, I don't want to keep going. Well, two things. Oh. Imus has prostate cancer. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. I mean, I'm not a fan of Imus's. I'm a fan of Howard's, and Howard doesn't like Imus. Well, he says it does. he doesn't care about Imus. He doesn't even think about him, but he's, they're always talking about him on the show. So here's something. Listen to this. So I'm listening to Howard as I'm driving to the train station to go to New York yesterday, uh-huh. what I started out telling you. Yeah. So anyway, Howard is talking about Imus having prostate cancer, and that one of the things that he heard was that masturbation, prevent, if the more men masturbate, the better it is and they don't get prostate cancer. Well, you're joking. No, I'm not. That's a true statement? I don't know. It makes it, well, I, I think having sex is good for you. I think that's why older people, when they don't have enough sex, your prostate enlarges. I mean, this is kind of simple. I'm not a... a uh... And their prostate enlarges and they get cranky. <laughs> <laughs> They get nasty, though. <laughs> so uh, not that I'm promoting masturbation, but that's what Howard said anyway. So uh, he said he had, so then he goes like the night before. He said, so for medicinal purposes. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> that's what he had, to, he had to masturbate. I was laughing. I don't know. That struck me as very funny. It's, that is very funny. Yeah, prostate cancer is not funny. No, 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 no. No. So what is it? If you don't use it, you lose it. But so... <sighs> That's so funny. Now, Rudy Giuliani had prostate cancer as well. I think I didn't know that. I don't yeah. think I knew that. 
Yeah, but, you know, I mean, I think Imus is like 67 years old. So he's Interesting, a lot of men, high-profile men seem to be getting Ill, big illnesses. Well, or they're high profile, so you hear about them, so Maybe. you know about it. I mean, Maybe. yeah, and they're more oh, they're more open about it. I was watching um, uh, a documentary on uh, on the public television last night uh, in the middle of the night when I had my insomnia, and it was about Gerald Ford and Betty Ford, and uh, you know she was one of the first. She was a first lady in the seventies. She also had breast cancer, and she was the first person, the first like out there kind of first lady who talked about her breast cancer, and she saved millions of lives because, you know, she was the first lady. She had a voice. She had the opportunity to voice her own personal story, which she did, and then millions of women went and got mammograms, and she really was instrumental in, in opening up the whole shameful, taboo topic of breast cancer. We're back to breast now. We kind of went full circle. <laughs> Yeah, and also about her addiction, her addiction to to painkiller medication, and then eventually alcoholism. Betty Ford Clinic. I do think that talking about it is a big, important piece of it. It's hard to talk about it. Do you talk about your? I mean, I'm illnesses and stuff. I'm not as I'm better at helping other people. I mean, I my friends tell me all their stuff, and I like to help, but I find it more difficult for me to talk about what's bothering me. I do, but to a very small group of people. What about you? I mean, I find exposing myself is not easy. I'm, expo- I'm on radio exposing myself. But I was just going to say, you what? are on radio, but you're, you actually ask me to expose myself rather than you expose yourself. <laughs> That's true. And, but I, I don't like to feel vulnerable, and I don't like to feel, I guess vulnerable is the word, or that I'm not in control. So it's difficult for me to, to admit to having problem. Not a problem, but certain problems, like weaknesses, like illnesses, like, um, well, I'm exposing you. You have laryngitis. Exactly. That's my point. (laughs) But if I had laryngitis, I would be on, because laryngitis is acceptable. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And laryngitis isn't scary, and and there's no stigma attached to it, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's something that I mean, it's an easy thing to, you know, you don't mind sharing that. But other things I'm talking about, like breast cancer or stuff that really is scary. But once you talk about it, once you get it out there, it just is such a relief. Like if you have something and you're worried about something like, you know, physical that, that um, you know, that could be cancer or heart disease. And, and then you actually say it and you get it out. Here's my yeah. social work stuff coming out. Um, <clears throat> it's a relief. It's a huge relief. Like there's a lot of people, a lot of um and men in particular, I think, that are the faces for diseases. That happens all the time. Yeah, faces for diseases? You mean men who come out and talk about their illnesses? Yeah, I just saw um, Montel Williams. He's got uh, MS. Yeah, he, that, that, he's really on a campaign. He, he really is. MS. He's amazing. I mean, when he first was diagnosed, Montel Williams, talk show host, uh, television talk show host, when Montel was first diagnosed, uh, he looked awful. And, well, when he came out, at least when he was told his public, now he looks a lot better. Well, he's really taking care of himself. Yeah, but people like that have a major influence in in on on the general public. They really do. And by talking about those, you know, what's his name, Parkinson's disease, the one who, who has Parkinson's, who does all kinds of. Actually, he's done a lot of shows. You can tell that he has Parkinson's disease. He's been interviewed. The young guy. Do you know who I mean? Um, oh, I can't uh, Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. 
Um, I mean, they do a lot for getting monies, for helping people to to recognize, be diagnosed. It's really important for movie stars to do that. I think it's a responsibility. Too. I do too. It's uh, it's a uh, it helps. We have to say goodbye. <laughs> You've been listening to Lauren Deller Blake, Catherine Zox on Voice America, VoiceAmerica.com. Thanks for joining us this morning. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management.